everybody to the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek back for another episode learning every single week how not to be a youth pastor. And given the fact that uh, our listeners don't know this yet, but this is the third time we've hit record on this episode, so we're really hoping the third time's the charm. It's going to be a good one. Uh, so we're going to dive. We already did our intro, but yeah. it got deleted. So Thanks, Kyle. Uh, it's Listen... For those that don't know, we're going to give every once in a while, we give behind the scenes peeks yeah. into how the sausage is made, how the podcast gets produced. Uh, you have, you know, we've given several shout outs to good friend of the show, Nathan Gamble, uh, at Nathan Gamble Music on Instagram. I, I did I did follow him on Instagram. Did you really? Over there you Thanksgiving. Go. Uh, yep. So he is, uh, not only is he my brother-in-law, uh, but he is also our producer, uh, our audio producer, does a fantastic job. Uh, I'm fairly certain that it occupies almost zero headspace for him. Like he's just got an algorithm and a program preset and he just puts the audio in and it spits it out and it's good to go. Uh, but we still like to give him props because he's very, very good at what he does. Uh, the other thing that, uh, you know, people may not know is that I do, you know, Kyle, myself, I do most of the work, uh, it's <laughs> at what? <laughs> um, Surely not this. No. So like, typically we are recording the audio here on my computer. And so like, I'm just like, I click a few buttons to get it all set up. And, uh, we just recorded almost nine minutes of this episode before we realized it was only recording my mic and not Derek's. So, uh, somewhere in the internet sits eight minutes of me just talking to myself. Yeah. I mean, how is that different than most of your days? That's true. Uh, and even, you know, if you listen to our last episode, uh, that was definitely more <laughs> me talking than Derek. So this one, I'm just going to take a back seat and, uh, and let Derek take it away. But Derek, real quick for the second time, because uh, we also had like another we had a whole uh, discussion about a tangent off a tangent off of a rabbit hole. Well, but the first time we hit record lasted like twelve seconds, and then we got eight minutes into it, and so now we're going to try and get all the way through. But Derek, for the second time, uh, what is on your Christmas list? Why don't you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things, uh, Derek's Christmas list, he's gotten to the point where his Christmas list is really just gift cards because what he wants is too expensive. Expensive. Yep. Uh, and, and he doesn't want to burden his family members with, uh, you know, getting him, uh, you know, something that's a couple hundred dollars. And so uh, he's got uh, some things for hunting that he really wants. Uh, he's got some things uh, with his dog that also have to do with hunting yep. uh, that he would really like. Uh, and then he also uh, is maybe eyeing an upgrade on his Apple Watch. How'd I do? Nailed it, man. Nailed it. Nailed all it. right, Derek, what do I want for Christmas? I would have never thought you listened to that well. I'm, I'm impressed. Okay, first of all, I'm greatly offended. I am a great listener, uh, says not my wife. <laughs> but I... <laughs> But I earned that, so that's I. I can't even be L mad at her. L let me try my hand at what you want. All right, bring it on. Um, you want um some different wedges for golfing. Yep. Because you presently have a sixty degree wedge. Yep. And your standard pitching wedge is about forty eight. We decided. 
Yep. I think so it's 46, 48 out of you're, From your father, you are projecting you are going to be getting either a 52 degree wedge or a 56 degree wedge. Yes. He, for the record, I'm not like just anticipating my father's going to get me one of these. He did. It just hasn't come in the mail yet. So Got I don't it. know which one it was. Yes. Okay. So you also desire a smoker because you want to smoke things. Um, I, I desire to own a meat smoker. Yes. I don't desire to own someone who smokes. Okay. And you don't desire to smoke for yourself. Just to, Correct. Just to clear. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of people assume when I say that, that I just want to own someone who smokes. Yeah. So I figured that That's, I should differentiate. Right. That, that is a logical, <laughs> logical assumption. Um, you also are looking for a 20 quart stock pot because you desire or you enjoy cooking and yep. you just want to go along with your smoke and you want a big pot. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You want a a lot of pot for your smoking adventure. Oh, touche. So there's that. Then you also desire, you have a Nintendo Switch and you want like the controllers that break in half, like the miniature controllers basically, but you want the black and white set because you are OCD and you don't want the same colors as the ones you already have. And there's a lot of games that you guys like, like Pico Park, Pico in the Park, something like that, uh, where eight people is desired and you need more controllers. You know, now that I, I've never put this together, but I Pico Park is a great game that has absolutely nothing to do with Mexican food. That's, I mean, that's where I would, yeah. uh, that's what it was, is like Pico de Gallo. Nope. But it's not? Nope, nothing. Perfect. It's just a group of kind of, weirdly shaped individuals that are trying to accomplish some tasks together. I'm so excited to try this game. Oh, it's hilarious. It will make you hate all of your friends and family. Perfect. Uh, highly recommend. Highly recommend to all of our listeners. Oh my gosh. All right. Are we ready to jump into this? Yeah, for the we first just, time for we real? just took a nine minute intro and squeezed it into five and a half. So I think I'm that's feeling pretty one good. of our greatest accomplishments on the history of this podcast. For sure. Only took us 58 episodes. All right, everybody. Since as Kyle alluded to, he spoke for about 58 minutes of the last hour long episode that we had, uh, which by the way, if you have not yet listened to it, go back. I think that's the episode that Kyle and I have sounded the smartest for sure. Um, we're sounding like we a pretty actually, low bar, yeah. but I will agree with yeah. you. Yeah, I was like, man, we actually kind of know our stuff. This kind of feels nice to actually utilize our brain for once. Uh, and so if you have not listened back to it and you're looking for just um, a ruining of your Christmas, that's surely t- you know going to accomplish that task. But today we're going to talk about something a little bit more universal, something a little bit more in tune to our youth pastor friends out there who are choosing to listen to us Um about a little something called discomfort. The episode here is going to be getting comfortable with uncomfortability because the reality is, is that when you are in ministry for long enough, you will quickly, quickly find out that you're going to be asked to do something that is not super, super enjoyable, right? Like I'm sure Kyle's even preached this. I preached this. We've heard this growing up, but like, you know, there's so many sermons out there that talk about how like we're supposed to get out of our comfort zone and do this and do that. And that's all great. Uh, but when you are a ministry leader, it will not be long until you have to deal with a situation that you don't want to have to deal with because whether it's socially awkward, um, you have to make a tough call, whatever it is, you're going to have to do things or make calls or make decisions in which something is going to be 
uncomfortable. And it's not a matter of if we have to deal with it, it's when we have to deal with it. So let's just kind of look quickly before we jump in here and some examples of this, because I think it's always pertinent and helpful to look back at what scripture says about this, because it's usually a good spot to start. But let's just highlight the apostles in Acts for a second. Kyle, they give us a little synopsis on the apostles in Acts um, and how their luxurious tour of the gospel presentation went. Yeah, so one of Jesus's big things when he was uh, here on earth was pointing out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, pointing out some of the shortcomings and the flaws of the establishment. And people took that really well. Uh, it was it was very peaceful. Yep. Uh, there was no murder involved. Nope. And and so naturally, when Jesus then uh, sent his disciples out, they also encountered zero resistance. Uh, everybody loved them so much, and uh, it was just a really joyous and peaceful time. Am I reading that correctly? Uh, yeah. No. Oh, my bad. My Bible's upside down. Uh, <laughs> it's inside so, out. Yeah. So the the apostles go out and uh, they get uh, they they are continuing to kind of fly in the face of the established religious authorities, and they the religious authorities don't like that. They bring the disciples before them, and you know many of the disciples get whipped or imprisoned or persecuted in some way. Uh, it should say a lot that only one of Jesus's disciples died from natural causes. Yep. Uh, you know, many others, all of the others faced very gruesome deaths because they were preaching the gospel. And Peter, Peter of all people, you know, hung upside down, crucified upside down um, because he didn't want to. Yeah, you know, to be fair, he asked for it. Yes, literally. he did. Literally asked for it. Yeah. Um, and so like, okay, so, you know, when you say yes to ministry, I'm hoping you're not um, succumbing to having to be whipped. And if you are, please let us know because that's probably not healthy and you're probably in the wrong context. But the point remains the same that when you are called, when you are saying yes to stepping into a ministry role, like you are putting yourself on the front lines of spiritual warfare. You're putting yourself on the front lines of God, you know, using you to accomplish some really, really crucial things and some big things in people's lives. And, um, I think Kyle's probably experienced this as well. I know I have. And um, I've had a lot of just really, really big encouragements in my life of people saying like, I just wish I had your job. It's got to be so awesome to inspire people and, and get to like make a difference in people's lives. And it really is. I would say on behalf of myself, um, and I'm probably speaking for Kyle as well, um, I consider it an honor and a blessing to get, be able to get to do what I do. I love my job. Uh, but as great as it is to inspire and make a difference in people's lives, the thing is, is that it doesn't come freely like to really see god move in um in people's lives you sometimes have to do things that are not super easy and not super comfortable and so let's talk about it because it's one thing to get up and and deliver a message and say you got to live outside of your comfort zone you got to do things that stretch you uh but as youth pastors a lot of times our greatest messages are the ones that we preach with our lives and not with our words and so we want to talk about some of the things that 
you know, we're going to kind of draw from specific scenarios that Kyle and I have both witnessed and experienced um, while also remaining ambiguous and um, anonymous as much as we can, just because um, some of these things we don't want to throw any individual person or group of people under the bus. But the goal of this is to, is just to kind of talk through some of our thought patterns about what was going through our head when we made these decisions or had to do these things and, and just kind of dialogue back and forth about them as to why we did them. Um, Kyle, do you remember those um, coach Gruden, the, where he would sit down with quarterbacks and kind of like, just like, you know, go through, uh, go through film and, and kind of talk to the quarterback. So what was going through your head right here yep. and kind of like just dissect the situation. That's kind of my thought here with it. We'll just t- take some specific scenarios here and just kind of talk through like what was going through our head in the moment and why we made the decision that we did. And maybe something we would do differently if we were to go forward with this here. But again, these are going to be specific uncomfortable type situations and some of them might still be ongoing. Um, but it's just something kind of that we're going to dive into. So the first one I kind of want to jump into and might, you know, lead off with Kyle here, but one of the more uncomfortable things you might have to do at some point in your ministry is when you have to make a really, really tough leadership decision that probably will not be very well received or very popular amongst those that are also involved in that. So why don't you tee us off here, my comrade? Yeah, so uh, this was a situation that um, took place a few years ago. Um, it was it was something that, uh, you know, you, you hope you never come across, um, but, you know, we did. And I'll talk about, you know, there were a couple different layers of decisions that got made. And some of them, if I you know was in this situation again, I would make the same decision. And others, I I don't know that I would make the opposite decision, but I don't know if I'd make the same one either. Uh, so we we took our crew. There was a uh, a kind of conference convention thing, uh, you know, youth thing that uh, we used to go to every year. And uh, part of the uh, setup for this event was. Uh, you know, we would stay in a hotel and Derek and I have talked about this. It's kind of an age old, uh, debate in youth ministry. Chicken or the egg. Uh, level. <laughs> you know, yeah. If, uh, if you're, you know, doing an overnight with students, do you have adults stay in the rooms with the students or not? And it is, uh, to me, neither one of them is wrong until something bad happens and then whichever one you chose was wrong. Uh, you know, there's, there's just no winning because if you put leaders in the rooms with students, it opens up the door for students to accuse leaders of something inappropriate, whether it, it opens up the door for that to happen, but it also just opens up the door for an accusation, yep. a false accusation to be made as well. Uh, if you don't put adults w- in the rooms with students, it opens the door for students to maybe do something or make a decision without that adult being there that is not beneficial to the group. And so we had, uh, you know, we have various rules and regulations that students sign on for. Uh, you know, when they come to an event with us, there's a parent release form uh, and there's plenty of things uh, in there that the student says, hey, I'm not going to do this. I won't do this. I will do this. 
Uh, and so we found out uh, that at this event, uh, there was a hotel room of students of ours uh, that had brought alcohol to this event and and had been drinking it in their room the night before. And so... Uh, to be clear, they are all under 21. Yep. That's, pro- that's obviously assumed. And the drinking age in America is 21. 21. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so we... One of the things that we, so we found this out, I don't know, maybe 10 a.m. the next morning. Um, and so one of the things we decided to do was one of our female adult leaders uh, kind of purposefully suggested to that group of girls, hey, let's go get lunch, which got them away from the hotel and then, uh, you know, all of the hotel rooms are purchased like from our church, mm-hmm. you know, like with my name on it. Mm-hmm. And so I went down to the front desk, got an extra copy of their room key mm-hmm. and then went up to their room. Uh, another intentional decision. I had two female leaders mm-hmm. that were with me and they were the ones that went into the room first. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took them about 30 seconds to find some alcoholic bottles. Uh, so th- I think there was like eight or 10 that they found and half of them had been consumed. The other half had not presumably for, for the second night. Um, and so we, um, you know, one of the things that, that we then chose to do was sit down with all five girls, sorry, all four girls and uh, ask them, like, hey, is there anything that happened in your room last night that you'd maybe like to tell us about? Mm-hmm. They chose to remain silent, at which point we disclosed what we had found and uh, informed the girls that we were going to be sending them home. Um, and uh, so then at that point, uh, I... They went up to their room to pack uh, with supervision from one of our adult leaders. Uh, I went and started making some phone calls to parents, uh, which was really fun. Um, and then, uh, you know, kind of progressed from there. Uh, I think that's kind of the bulk of kind of what happened. Yep. You know, there were several decisions made along the way. Uh you know, one of the girls and her family thereafter were very, very upset with us because uh, I believe she was the one that had brought these beverages. Mm-hmm. And when we went into the room, they were in her backpack, mm-hmm. like which was zipped up. Leader unzipped the backpack and found, you know, the mm-hmm. drinks. The family was very upset that we had gone through her backpack. Um, I kindly reminded them that we chose not to call the police about the underage drinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, one of the things that I look back on that, like it's my name on that hotel room. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the one that purchased it. And so I'm responsible for anything that happens in that room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I do not at all, you know, I would not change kind of how we went about that. Sure. Um, you know, the other thing, that uh, the one of the things I would change about this whole situation was that uh, after we found it all, 
we brought all four girls together and asked them all together at the same time, hey, you know, kind of, you know, is there anything you want to tell us about? Uh, if I was in this situation again, I would do that individually one-on-one with those girls. Um, because I, it, it can be, I see how it's intimidating for those girls to, uh, to not want to say anything right right in front of their friends. Yep. Um, but you have changed your consequences for them. Um, I'm not sure, you know, after we, you know, the, the full story, like, uh, you know, like one of the, one of the girls had like a sip of something and that was it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, if she was the one that came forward, would we have let her stay? Maybe, I don't know. Uh, you know, like, like depending on how involved that the person that told us was, uh, you know, maybe we, you know, maybe, maybe that changes things a little bit. Um, but I'm not sure. sure. Uh, but I, but I would, you know, maybe give them a more comfortable arena to be honest with us sure. than having all four of them together. Uh, the other thing that I did do, uh, and this is the thing that I honestly don't know what I would do if I was in the same position again. Uh, I called, I, I am good friends with the, associate athletic director at the school that four of the five involved went to. Mm -hmm. And so I called him because I believe all five of them played some sort of sport Mm -hmm. in high school. And so I, I called him cause you know, we, we have a pretty good relationship Mm -hmm. and just kind of let him know what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there were a couple people that were pretty upset that that we had made that phone call. Sure. They kind of felt that, you know, what happens at church should stay at church and what happens at school should, you know, those things, mm-hmm. you know, it shouldn't, uh, you know, overlap. Um, as a high school coach, I'm pretty familiar with that part of the high school mm-hmm. <laughs> athletic rule book that yep. clearly states that at any point uh, outside of you know, if, if you are in a sport at any point during the season or otherwise, mm-hmm. you are underage drinking, for example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that is a two week or two game suspension mm-hmm. in Minnesota, uh, whichever is greater, I believe. And so, you know, they, um, I don't know if I would make that call again, because on one hand, like that is a much bigger step. Yep. Uh, but if like, as a coach, I would absolutely want to know. Yeah. And so, uh, and and I had a prior relationship with that assistant athletic director. And so, um, you know, he and I, uh, you know, would, would hang out and golf and do different things. And so, uh, I, I think that that played a factor as well, but that, that was, that was one of the more difficult situations that I found myself in where, okay, like, you know, having all those phone calls with parents, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talking with those kids, uh, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Uh, Always having at least one other adult in the room is an absolute must. Um, You know, it just, it came down to, uh, I, I think one of my biggest pieces of advice in a situation like that is asking other people around you for their advice. Yep. 
you know, we like, there were several times throughout that process where like me and another adult leader would have a conversation like, Hey, what do we think is the best course of action? Mm -hmm. Ultimately you're in charge. So you have to make the decision, but that doesn't mean you have to make the decision alone. Well, and odds are there are going to be people that you can reach out to if you don't have someone in that moment. Um, you know, you and I both had the the luxury of having our district youth director. Um, you know, he is amazing. And he, there were times I called him at 10 o'clock at night because I had a similar situation where I didn't know what to do. And so to be able to call him and say, hey, uh, in your 20 plus years of youth ministry experience, have you ever had anything in like situation that I'm walking through right now? And if not, like, what would you do if you were me? And having that is is incredibly helpful. But um, the reason I wanted to start with Kyle with that too, is I think it hits on a really, really important distinction that youth pastors really need to keep in mind um, as you lead your ministry for the long haul. And it's this idea that you are not called to be your student's friend more than their pastor. Like it is great to have a close connection with students and really be tight with them and get to know them and really have this unbreakable bond. But at the end of the day, you are there to develop them. You are there to stretch them, to grow them. And sometimes that comes with tough decisions. Uh, you know, Kyle and I are both coaches uh, and I've never, I shouldn't say never, but I rarely have athletes who when I show up and I talk about how we're going to do conditioning for all of practice, I know very few athletes who are all about it. Like they, they hate conditioning because it's uncomfortable. It's tiring. It's exhausting. But the reason we condition is because when it's the fourth quarter and it's crunch time and your opposition is gassed and you're not, that's significant. That's the moments where your athletes are going, okay, like I see the point here now. Yeah, youth ministry and making these tough calls is the same way. Like those four girls, five girls, whatever it was, I'm guessing not a single one of them were very happy with you when you had to send them home. Not really. Um, and I'm guessing some of them still might not be super happy with you. But the reality is, is that years down the road, maybe already, I don't even know what the situation turned out to be like, but they're going to respect you. At least I hope they will for wanting more from them. You know, this was not a power trip. This was not a, whoa, and you're you're a terrible, awful person. I'm, so I'm going to make you an example out of you. This was a, you know what? Like, there are natural consequences to your actions. <clears throat> and you know what? Like, if you're going to kind of play with fire here, then like, I want to show you that I like you and appreciate you too much than to let you just get away with it, you know? Yeah, and the the end of the story is that, you know, we, we told every girl before they got picked up that, you know, we would, uh, you know, this is the consequence Mm -hmm. for the action that you chose to make. Um, for us, from a youth ministry standpoint, you know, as soon as you walk out that door and and into your mom's car or whatever it was, uh, you know, the slate is clean. Mm-hmm. Like this does not mean you can't come to any future youth events. We absolutely want you yep. at our next Wednesday night. Uh, you know, we like, we want you there. Um, you know, we, I believe if I remember correctly, one of the five uh, came to a couple, like maybe two or three Wednesday nights, uh, but like 
there was like a four month gap mm-hmm. between this and and when she came a couple times, and uh, and I, I we have not seen her since. Mm. Uh, the other four we never saw again. Mm. Um, and one of the five, uh, messaged me on Instagram, maybe about six months later, and was kind of like, "Hey, I just wanted to apologize for." for everything and, yeah. and, you know, did kind of receive that, you know, full circle message. But, yeah. uh, you know, the other, like they never, you know, really attended again. Mm-hmm. And I think that as, as youth pastors, that is usually the fear. Uh, sure. You know, we don't want to make that decision because exactly what happened here yep. might happen. Um, but you have to remember that you are the shepherd of more than just these, in this case, five sheep. Mm -hmm. Uh, you have an entire flock that you are stewarding. And if you, you know, what you tolerate in this one instance will affect what you tolerate in every instance coming after it. It's good. If, if your students know that you have a line that they cannot cross and they've seen it in action, uh, they are very, very likely to not cross that line. Yep. And that'll set you up really, it'll set you up a lot better uh, in the future. Totally. You know, and I have so much respect for how you handled that because that is not, that is not an easy situation. That's not something that you ever want to have to deal with, let alone have to deal with on such a great historically weekend for you or where that happened. That was like an event where you come back and you're like, look at all the cool stuff that happened. So to have to walk through that amidst that weekend is, is all the more difficult, but it kind of, I kind of want to piggyback off of that because I think the assumption is when you step into your role, you kind of have this presumed idea that like relationship with parents is kind of going to be, Flawless, Parent, you know. Parents are the worst. We love you, parents, but but you're the worst. <laughs> um, no, honestly, it's like it's like uh, not fifty fifty, but it's split because there are parents that are great supporters of you in youth ministry. Yep, and there are parents that are incredibly difficult to work with. Yeah, hundred percent. Which I, I don't know how you felt about it, but I didn't think it would be that way. You know, I kind of figured out to have a few parents that weren't my biggest fan or didn't like what we were doing or like that's the expectation, but I never thought it'd be a 50-50 split. And it really is that kind of a ratio. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't say that I, I don't know that it is a 50-50 split in my experience <sighs> as far as the quantity of parents on either side. Sure. But I would absolutely say it's a 50-50 split as far as the feedback goes. Uh, you know, if you have 90% of the parents are on your side and 10% hate you, uh, you'll probably hear equally from both sides. Sure. And uh, that can be discouraging. 100%. And it's, I think what is hard is when you know you're doing the right thing but because they have a different metric of what they view as right or wrong, it comes into oppositions. And so here's what I wanted to kind of draw from this. Um, I have a friend of mine who is a youth pastor in a different area. Um, I did not talk to him about this. I'm going to be very, very confidential here. But basically, he had two students who were like 16, um, a guy and a girl, and they were dating each other. 
And so one night they come to youth and they're just like, they were kind of each breaking down and like they were talking to their leaders and connect groups and that type of thing. And it had come out that they wanted to talk to the youth pastor. Um, and so he did it right. Uh, you know, he talked to them, you know, in the sanctuary in a public place. Like there's, you know, all that was covered really, really well, but that's not the main point here. Um, and it basically came out that they were really struggling with like some purity stuff. Like they were really struggling just to stay pure and to not do certain things behind closed doors. Everybody else in here gets the picture. But after talking with them, they found out that uh, a big contributor to these actions was the fact that they were having sleepovers at each other's houses. And so uh, the youth pastor kind of goes along the lines of like, hey, I'm going to pray with you. But like not having sleepovers probably is going to be a really, really good start to not making some choices you don't want to make. And so they kind of put, you know, they talk about it life is great. And then they go home the next day. He's got a voicemail waiting for him and his voice or on his phone. And it's the mother of one of the two students involved here. Um, who said, who basically rips him a new one says, I need you to call me as soon as you get this message. So he calls and basically has the mother chew him out and say, why would you tell my, my son and daughter or not my son and daughter, but why would you tell my son that he's not allowed to have a sleepover, you know, with with his girlfriend? Like, this is our house. These are our rules. Like, how to, what gives you the right to do all these types of things? Um, and this was a, this was a Christian lady who loved going to church and everything else. And, you know, my youth pastor friend was sitting here going, am I really debating with this lady right now? Well, why this is probably not a good idea, you know? And yeah, so, especially with a, a mom who claims to be a Christian. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like they had the same belief system, but they, she just couldn't see why this was a problem. And so the reason I bring the situation up um, is because I think we're going to have situations. I know I've had these where, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, you are doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Like you are biblically in line. You are making the right call. You've sought wise counsel. You are doing everything right, but the outcome does not change. And so, (coughs) excuse me. The reason I, I brought that up is because I think it's all the more difficult to wrestle with that outcome, knowing it's the right thing to do. You know, like if you're on the fence about it, okay, it's a whole different ball of wax. But when you know without a shadow of a doubt, that you're doing the right thing and you're still being met with resistance and opposition, it's really tough to stand your ground and not cave. But it kind of goes back to what you were talking about. Like it's not super fun when you lose your students and the parents come after you and kind of, you know, come after your choices. But I think it just, it just proves the fact that like you need to do what's right regardless of how it's being received. Yeah. I think having, people around you that you can connect with that that can speak some words of wisdom into your decision-making process, not because you're a failure and have no wisdom to offer yourself, but uh, just getting some different perspectives, uh, you know, really clinging to, uh, clinging to the word uh, is, is important. Knowing it would, I guess, be yep. step one. Uh-huh. Um, but like, like in that, in, in the situation you were talking about, Derek, you know, the youth pastor can come at that as like, okay, like 
I'm not trying to tell you how to run your own house. Mm -hmm. This kid, these two kids came to me and said, Hey, here's what we're struggling with. Mm -hmm. And here is what we believe. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. we, we believe in God and we want to follow God and we're struggling with this. And so the youth pastor is simply taking those two and connecting them. Yep. Like, Hey, okay. Based on what you have told me, Mm -hmm. here's what my recommendation would be. He's certainly not demanding it of them. No. And he's certainly not, uh, you know, telling the parents how to run their house. He's just responding to what these kids are saying. It's different, uh, you know, if uh, if if that mom does not believe in God, you 100%. know, it's it's you almost have to swing way to that defense. Yep. Like he is telling me he is a Christian and he is asking how to do that well, and I've recommended to him here is a way to do that better than you are now. Yep, uh, I'm certainly not telling you how to run your own household, but I I think that. That can be a really tricky, uh, you know, speaking into a student's home life can be just uncomfortable for youth pastors because you've got, if you have, you know, 30 students, you got 30 different home lives Yep. on the, well, siblings, but you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it's going to be really hard. You have to have some wisdom in how specific or general your advice is yep. based on where that student's coming from. Yep. And I think in a lot of times I kind of let the student set that line. Um, you know, like I kind of, to go back to the situation at hand, um, I probably wouldn't have been like, if they come to me and say, hey, we're struggling, I wouldn't have sat there and asked well, what leads up to this? Like I want to pride, I would have waited to say, like, why do you think that struggles and kind of let them set that boundary as to where they want to go with it. Um, but it, it is, it is incredibly insightful to understand that like you so many times have just cling to what the word says, you know, and just truly, as you said, like knowing it and knowing what it says is really, really good. But sometimes doing what's uncomfortable doesn't change for a while. You have to kind of just sit in that discomfort, which is why it's important to know when you're doing, um, oh my gosh, I just looked at this text not long ago, but um, like we're not looking to win the approval of human beings here. We're looking to do what, what God's calling us to do. And so like, if you're doing the right thing, then you just got to trust that this too shall pass. But here's where I really want to camp out because those, those situations we, we just discovered, like, yes, those are super, super uncomfortable. But I want to kind of end this, this episode with this last topic of like, how do you swallow and deal with like persistent discomfort in the sense of like unique personalities? And so here's what I mean by that. Like you've been in youth ministry for six plus years, Kyle. I was in youth ministry for five and a half. And now um, as a lead pastor, this happens in, a, in big church sometimes too, but you will have unique personalities walk into your youth ministry or your church. And I don't just mean like, okay, they, they're they like goofy or they like some really obscure things. I'm talking about like socially, they're like just not all there or there's just something like psychologically that's off. And so like they're, they're perfectly able to be functioning in society, but like there's just something really, really goofy going on. And so like, how do you deal with that? Um, and so 
I'm going to give you a few like hypotheticals here just to kind of help set this picture. So um, this is about a month ago now, but uh, I was not there obviously, but our new youth pastor Riley told me about the day after. It's like 15 minutes before youth starts and this random guy off the street walks into the church, right? Like doors are open on a Wednesday night, lights are on. You know, this guy walks in with some of the other leaders, doesn't think anything of it. Later found out that like the guy came in, wanted to talk to the pastor. So Riley spent the next 15 minutes talking to this guy about like this cult he was a part of. And we later found out, I'm pretty sure the guy was high as a kite, which definitely did not help. But like he got to a point where Riley kind of came to the conclusion of, okay, you're older than 18. So I legally can't have you here because you're not a youth leader and you know, you're, there's no other groups meeting here for your age. And so like, this is a safety concern if you're high and you're not unfamiliar here. So I'm not to ask you just to, I'll pray with you, but then I got to ask you to leave because we have a youth night going on here. There's that part of it. But then I've also had some, we've had people part of our church before that maybe have anger issues or again, just are socially awkward or don't necessarily have boundary have boundary issues and, and, and that type of thing. And so the kind of discussion I want to have, Kyle, is like, what? how do you handle these situations? Because it's not as easy as, you know, you run a place of business where you can just say, hey, I'm kicking you out, leave. I mean, this is a church that's open to all kinds of people and personalities. Yet at the same time, it goes back to that shepherd conversation you were talking about is if 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 this one sheep is causing a disturbance and is making the whole room feel agitated and uncomfortable, where's that line between excusing that sheep from the rest of the flock? And so I just kind of toss you a whole bunch of different things. We'll see what you latch on to. Well, I think first of all, you know, every single person is somebody that we want to pastor. <laughs> Yo, know, there's not like, oh, we want to pastor this person, but we don't want to pastor. Like, right. we want to see everybody come to Jesus. Yep. But pastors get into their heads that every person needs to be pastored in this large group. Mm. And I think that there are some people that first need to be pastored on a more individual basis before they can be pastored as a part of the group as a whole. It's good. And so for like in, in this situation, I think it can sometimes be helpful to couple like, Hey, you can't be here right now with, but here's when you can be here. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, we're starting this event. So I need to ask you to leave because of this, but I'd love to meet with you tomorrow you know, pick, pick a time where you've got margin in your schedule and, and you can meet with this individual, uh, and, and, you know, maybe further that conversation. Uh, I, I think that, you know, we, we need to remember that it's okay for us to do that. It's okay for us to draw that line Mm -hmm. and, and you can do that in a way that, you know, brings, closure on their end. Like, okay, like I didn't get to have the full conversation now, but I'm going to at some point, you know, if, if you have, if you're a youth pastor and you've got a really disruptive student Mm -hmm. on Wednesday nights, uh, 
to the point where you need to sit down with that student and maybe a parent and say, Hey, you know, here's what I am seeing. Here's what I'm experiencing. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think I need to ask this student to not be here, mm-hmm. you know, for a month on Wednesday nights, but how about I get together with them one-on-one, mm-hmm. you know, on Thursday nights or Thursday mornings or whatever it is, Saturday yep. mornings. And, and, you know, I can just, you know, pour into them Yep. Uh, and, and we can go from there. Yeah. hundred percent. And that's, that's going to, again, require you to follow up on that too. You know, I think the, the easy yeah. thing is to go, okay, cool. We got the disruption taken care of, you know, but now you're going to be responsible for, for following up and being with that student one-on-one, um, which can be a challenge. But I think it, for me, as, as I've sat here and wrestled, cause we had a few different situations to what you've kind of explained Kyle before. And it's kind of this line between, you know, you want to be there for the least of these, like you want to be, uh, there for those who don't have a place that they belong. Uh, like I look back at the work of Jesus throughout the gospels and who was he most staunch with, um, the, the Pharisees, the religious people who didn't want to deal with uncomfortable, impoverished people. And Jesus really took attention to those that were down and out. And so like, you're always so cognizant of that when you're trying to disciple um, people, but it is one of those things where I, I love what you said about, you know, you can still pastor someone that's not a part of the big group. You know, like there is a, an opportunity for you to do that. And, um, you know, I think for me too, something that, especially if in a youth context where you have, you know, minors and people under the age of 18, like security has to be your number one uh, tiebreaker. You know, like if this, if there's ever something that's causing somebody physical or emotional uh, breach of security, that's got to be grounds for dealing with that situation or that person ASAP. And so, you know, we've had, we've had, uh, to go along with Kyle's explanation, we I've I've had a person, a part of our church, who um, was a disruption and was causing you know chaos and was causing negative things to happen within our ministry. So there was a conversation that was had that hey um, we can't have this anymore, and so you're welcome to be here at this time when church starts, um, but you can't be here before and you can't be doing this because it's just it's causing a distraction. And, you know, that, so I draw, draw that line in the sand, that boundary, and then that following boundary was crossed. So we had to have another conversation saying, this is just not working. Like, we're going to have to ask you to step away for a while. And when that person had to, like that person at that point did not take it very well at sure. all. Um, said things, threatened things, like massive breaches of physical security. And so- we actually had to file a restraining order against this particular individual. You know, not fun. You want to talk about uncomfortable, like having to go down to the courthouse and having to file a restraining order because um, of a, an individual is not fun. It kind of makes you feel like you are doing something wrong. But for us, the tiebreaker was there was a physical threat to the safety of our team, the pastors, and those that were a part of our church. And as a pastor, as a leader, safety, physical or emotional kind of has to be your number one priority, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a youth pastor. Like if there's ever a breach to physical security, you've got to, you've got to handle that 
ASAP because there's nothing that will derail your ministry quicker than having things that are not safe. And so for me, that's always the tiebreaker. But um, I really don't have a too, too much more to say, Kyle, because I think what you said was just perfect in terms of like just you got to just get comfortable finding different ways to address difficult problems because they're not just going to go away. You kind of got to find a solution, stand behind it and hold your ground. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, (coughs) finding people within your church that can help you with this. Uh, You know, a lot of times you'll see uh, people in your church that like have gifts for, you know, maybe working with people one-on-one uh, you know, they, they can't teach a large class, but they can, you know, make an impact one-on-one. That's, that's a different gifting set. Yep. And so, uh, equipping and mobilizing those people within your congregation, uh, to, to help build the strength of the whole can be, uh, can be a big win. Nailed it, man. Love it. That's it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Uh, I think Derek, uh, it's like 14 degrees out and there's snow all over, but, I think we should probably go find a way to play a round of golf. Goodbye. Goodbye.